0: name drive out demons and in your name perform, again, in your name perform many miracles, for 33. Then, that is what you need. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Look at that now. It says many people are living today on this earth just like the rich man did. And they are caught up in the lull in the deceit, in the complacence, in the lie of this post-modern world. The rich man was caught up in that. And that's the message the Lord Jesus wanted to lay before you. That many, many persons, Christians, non-Christians, and so forth, today live their lives just like the rich man lived. And they are caught up in the lal, the lal, before the storm. They are caught up in the lie, the lie, deception, and the complacency, the, 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 the heart and vassal, defending the life of this postmodern world. And yet the Lord Jesus has made it so clear in this scripture that immediately the life, this life, on this earth, comes to an end, and one dies, death for sure is not the end. That immediately, in this scripture you see, immediately the rich man died, then his eyes opened, from where he was now, he could see up there. Meaning, death is surely not the end of life. It's not the end of life. That death is simply a door, it's a transition place towards judgment. It's a door and a transition to judgment. Hebrews chapter 9. In the book of Hebrews chapter 9, it comes out very clearly that after death comes judgment. This is what it says. Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. He says. Just as people are destined to die once, and after that, face judgment. And so Christ sacrificed. Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Powerful. The two different people are mentioned there. He's saying that death is not the end. Don't say that when I die, I die. That is it. The way they say it in this life, these people, this generation. But death is actually a door. That's what Jesus is saying. To me. The Lord is saying that death is not the end of life. Death is just but the door. A door for transition into judgment. Second Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 8. Second Corinthians, Blessed People, chapter 5, verse 8, he says the following. We confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make our call to please him, whether we are at home, in the body, or away from it. For we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due for us. For the things done while in the body, and whether good or bad, so essentially saying that death is inevitable. But after death, then you are confronted with the judgment seat of Christ, with the judgment of God. That death must come. That's what he's saying here, blessed people. And yet, when you look at people living on this earth, sometimes you are astonished. Because you get to understand, you get to perceive that they are living their lives as though there is no death. Or as though after death, it's all done, it's finished. Everything has ended there. It's a denying state. Not at all. Luke 23, verse 43 says the following. Jesus replies, Jesus answered him, Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. In my Bible it is read, the words of Jesus himself. Meaning, after this life, there is a real place, a real destiny that mankind must end up in. There is a real place of destiny that every person must end up in after the life on this earth. That is what the Lord brings out very clearly, blessed people. So then why do people live their lives in such complacency? In a lie. In a deceit as though after they die it will be just done, it will be finished. And yet I am announcing the coming of the Messiah perpetually, continuously, and constantly. And God is speaking with me to come and warn you that the end is coming. The Messiah is coming. Life after this earth is coming. Philippians chapter 1, says the following. Philippians chapter 1, verses twenty two twenty three says, If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So he talks about the fact that there is a reality after death, after this world, after this earth, there is a reality that there's a materialization, a realization of another destiny, of another life. And he's saying that those who are believers who listen to the voice of this true prophet, the voice of the Lord, those who are obedient to listen and turn to a holy living, a righteous Christian living, to reject sexual sin, to reject the false apostles, false prophets you see on global Christian TV, in your churches, in your towns. The believers that believe the prophecy of the coming of the Messiah, believe the gospel, become born again, and choose holiness. It says when they die, they enter into a conscious, conscious, with consciousness, a conscious fellowship, of heaven. And joy. And happiness. Eternal. While those who don't believe. Born again. But don't believe in the coming of the Messiah. Don't believe the voice of these two prophets. They continue in the way of sin. Those who are not holy. They enter the conscious fellowship. Of pain. With pain and suffering. And judgment. And hell. And torment as you've seen. So the Lord is very clear here that the Messiah is coming. And so you see now, once you enter that exit door called death and enter the other realm, that is it. It's not possible to reshape your destiny again, reverse your destiny. That's why the rich man did not request that Abraham or Lazarus or his brothers Pray for him. Intercede for him. Or try to help him and release him from hell. And it's amazing. He was aware he is in hell because of the torment. And he was there. He was amazing. He's there forever. He knew that by being in hell, there was no escape. Once you enter hell, there is no escape. That is what Jesus is saying here. That there is no escape. That whoever goes to hell has no escape. You remain there. Whatever enters hell remains there. And you cannot change the conditions of hell. To make it more better or lighter, the pain reduced. No. Jesus makes it very clear. It has been set For Satan and his angels, the devil, and his angels, the demons, there is no way the conditions in hell ever change, ever will change. And you can see that the Lord Jesus, by using this rich man in Lazarus to speak to you in this age, when the announcement is on the earth for the coming of the Messiah, he was saying that the rich man was already aware That when he was in hell, when he is in hell, he is eternally separated from God. In fact, Abraham makes it very clear there is a chance in him. And the way Abraham answers him, Abraham tells him that there is no hope for remission. There is no hope for reducing the pain in hell. There is no hope for reducing the suffering in hell. There is no hope for reducing the agony in hell. There is no hope for reducing the torment in hell. There is no way of reducing the state of judgment that goes on in hell. But what amazes me so much when this young when this rich man communicates with Abraham in the book of Luke, Luke chapter sixteen that we're basing this announcement on the coming of the Messiah on, verses 13, 19 to 31. What amazes me is that the Lord Jesus, the, the words i read, these are the words of Christ. In my Bible, I'm right now touching them with my fingers. That in that conversation, the Lord Jesus shoots out, he exhausts very important points this generation to put into consideration as they live their life. He makes it very clear in the narrative of the rich man talking to to Abraham. He makes it clear that you may understand as a generation that when you go to hell, when you enter hell, that in that place you will have the capacity to remember very, very well the opportunity you missed while you were on the earth. The Lord Jesus raises that very well in the scripture. That when you go to hell, when people will be in hell, those who will go to hell, they will be alive. They will be alive to the fact that they squandered the opportunity to prepare for their eternity while they were the here. He makes it very clear without the sake of a doubt. That when you go to hell, you will have the capacity the capability, the ability to remember the missed opportunities you had on the earth. But when you, to remember that while you were on the earth, you missed the chance, the golden chance, the golden opportunity to prepare right for your eternity, to prepare well, to listen to the announcement of the gospel, the announcement of the two prophets, and prepare according to that instruction. That even the cloud of God came to Kisumu. That even God beamed on them from heaven through the sun, the white glory. As they walked, the white glory was on their head. And you he recorded that the Lord made it so clear that this one here, this is the messenger from heaven. This is my messenger. And he pointed the whole earth to them, to him, go to him. He will prepare you. Go to him. He's not from the earth. He's from heaven. Go to him. He had my instruction. Even in Kizumbo, he came for them. And that when you go to hell, when you enter hell after your death, then you will be alive to the missed opportunity. How you will suddenly realize how clear it was that this was Elijah. How clear it was that this was the message of Yahweh himself. The missed opportunities you had on the earth. That one Jesus thinks out very clearly, that scripture of Luke 16, to 31. That when you're in hell, you will start lamenting. You will start crying. As you remember. The wonderful opportunity you had to believe the gospel, to believe the announcement, to believe the mightiest, mightiest prophets of the Lord that came to announce the coming of the kingdom of God, that came to announce the dispensation of returning, of repentance, of going into righteousness, of living a holy life, that you will be alive to the missed opportunities you had, that you missed out out of joke, and fooling around and blackmailing them, you remember it so well. And he says very clearly here that in this conversation between the rich man and Abraham, you can see so clearly that the rich man can now remember how he rejected the gospel while he was on the earth. How he blackmailed the messengers that were sent to him. How they blackmailed the messengers that were sent to them from heaven to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah. He says, while you are held in torment, you remember very, very well forever. You know, if you're saying you remember for one day that's something else, but they will remember forever, forever and ever. They will remember how they missed the wonderful opportunity. And all the messengers that God sent were relentless, continuous, on a daily basis, coming live on air, pleading with a generation, free of charge. And the Lord also makes it very clear. My Bible is in red. I'm laying my fingers on them now. They're writing this text here, this story, parable, this message on the rich man and Lazarus is in red. The Lord Jesus makes it very clear from that scripture that those who believe the gospel of prosperity when they go to hell they will remember how they were sold out. They bought into the gospel of prosperity just like the rich men did, whereby they thought that prosperity represented God's favor, that the wealth of the earth represented God's favor on their lives, the way the present-day church has taken it. The present-day church has taken it that when they're wealthy and prosperous with the wealth of the earth, then now, that is their passport to heaven. That means they are walking in God's way. That's why you see the present-day churches in America, in Nigeria, in South Africa, in Europe, all over, even Kenya here, There are churches here, where are just for the wealthy. Where they go, the wealthy go there, and they feel comforted and comfortable that they are on the right path. That wealth, prosperity, the gospel of prosperity, is the sign, the evidence that they're going to heaven. Just like the rich man believed. Hey. He's saying just like the present-day Christians have believed. Because the present-day believer looks at the prosperity of this earth, the prosperity they own in this world, are the sign of God's blessing. And they make the same mistake, the same mistake in judgment, like the rich man did. Because they think that is the evidence that they will enter heaven. Now you understand why I came rebuking the gospel of prosperity. He saying when you are in hell... You remember how you made the mistake to believe the gospel of prosperity that lacked holiness. And you remember it on a daily basis while you are in torment. You remember how you missed the opportunity to listen to the gospel, the pure gospel of the cross and the blood that was brought by the mightiest prophets of the Lord to restore the message of the cross to restore the salvation in the church. He says, When you are in hell, you it will be alive to your memory, to your mind. You remember so well how you believed that the prosperity of this world, how you went to the churches that give you prosperity, preach to you prosperity and don't preach to you righteousness, and don't preach to you holiness, you remember very well how you sold out, you bought into the gospel of prosperity, and forgot the opportunity to grasp the message, the announcement on righteousness, on holiness, and the coming of the Messiah, and the need to prepare. You will remember that when you're in hell. Jesus lays it so clear here. <laughs> Excuse me. And he says, when you get to hell, you will now realize, to come to life to you, like he did the rich man, that the riches and the wealth of this world are actually very deceptive, very deceitful. And they bring people to complacency. They are lulled. They are just lulled before the storm, before the judgment. You remember that very well. That is what Jesus lays clear here in this scripture. And he says, while you are in hell, you will remember too well, very, very well, how the wealth of this world lies to you and how your judgment by failing to listen to the pure words of these two prophets, the prophets of righteousness, the prophets of holiness. You remember too well how the riches of this world, the wealth of this world, were misjudged by you for God's favor. You remember that very well because you realize, oh, you did not have God's favor in all that wealth. The book of Mark, chapter 4, blessed people, Mark, chapter 4, what an awesome time in the church. The book of Mark, chapter 4, Verses 18 and 19 It says the following It says Still others Like seed sown among corn Hear the word But the worries of this life The deceitfulness of wealth And the desire for other things Come in and choke the word." making it unfruitful. The deceitfulness of the wealth of this world. That is what the Lord Jesus raises so clearly. He exalts that from this scripture. The warning of the wealth of this world. The warning of the deceitfulness of the wealth of this world. And he says that When people go to hell, when you will go to hell, those that will. When people go to hell, whoever goes to hell, will vividly remember the deceptiveness, how deceitful the wealth of this world was to them, and lied to them. And they thought it was God's favor. And led them to a destiny, to an eternity of hell in hell the book of matthew chapter 19 i'm reading verses 23 to 29 it says then jesus said to his disciples truly i tell you it is hard for someone who is rich and wealthy to enter the kingdom of heaven and then i tell you it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly disturbed and greatly astonished, and they asked, Who then can be saved? Verse 26, Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Peter answered him, Lord, we have left everything to follow you. What then will be for us? Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, at the renewal, regeneration of all things, at the revelation, now you're the king, when the revelation of the Lord comes, truly I tell you, at the renewal, regeneration of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me and left all things will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses and brothers and sisters and father and mother and wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much. And inherit the eternal life of God. Inherit eternal life. Very powerful here. The Lord is talking about this rich man. Who treasured wealth. In other words, Jesus is saying. You can also find it in the book of Mark chapter 10, 23-25. He's saying it is very hard. Very, very hard for a wealthy man, for a rich man to enter heaven. But then, when he's confronted by the disciples, then he says, Look, it is impossible with man, but possible with God. In other words, it is very, very hard for a rich man to enter heaven, a wealthy man of this world, but it is not impossible. He says it is possible that with God they can enter. And this tremendous message the Lord gave in the book of Luke, chapter sixteen, verse nineteen, verses nineteen to thirty one, is so powerful because there is so much information that this generation can use from this scripture to prepare the way, even as the Lord has sent me at this hour, to announce the glorious coming of the Messiah even as He has shown me the people taken up into the kingdom of glory. And He says in this scripture that God indeed loves the poor people. And the Lord is terribly offended and terribly angered when the rich people of this world abandon His poor people. That is again another message on how to prepare for the coming of the Messiah. Another message coming out of this powerful scripture, Luke 16, 19-31, that the Lord loves the poor so much that He really hates it. He's offended. He's angered. When the wealthy people, when you that are living on this earth with some means, some good means, when you're abandoned, and you neglect his poor people, the poor people. And he's saying, in other words, he's essentially saying, in other words, that when the Christian, those Christians, those people, that go out of their way to present the grace, to present mercy, to present help, to present care, to present providence to the poor, They essentially do the work of Christ. They extend the work of Christ on this earth. To this earth. They essentially present the character of Christ in this generation. The personality of Christ to this generation. He loves the poor so much that when you help them, he says you are extending, you are essentially extending the goodness of Christ. The character, of, the character of Christ, the personality of Christ into this generation. You're presenting his image. How powerful, blessed people. Matthew 25, verses 35 to 40. He says, verse 34, He says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. and he looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? or need your clothes, and clothed you? When did we see you sick, or in prison, and go out to visit you and care for you? Then the king replied, I tell you the truth, whatever you did to one of the least, of these brothers and sisters of mine, that you did for me very powerful, blessed people. So the Lord is using this scripture of Lazarus at that gate, looking for care, with wounds all over, he's sick, he's not even feeling well. And the rich man is this idea, partying, squandering his life on a daily basis. The Lord is looking at that way, that failure to care. To say that those, in other words, Those that care, those that take time to care for the poor. Those that are born again properly. They do take time to care. Those that bear the character of Christ. And are born again properly, saying, It is required of you to attend to the plight of the poor in this world. The poor in your midst. The poor in the church. It's amazing, blessed people, that Jesus is saying here, it is so shocking, that he's saying that when you Christians minister to the poor, you actually minister to Christ himself. Isn't that amazing? And he's saying, That part of the identity of a Christian is to be able to minister to the plight, to the predicament of the poor. And that's why you see Abraham replies, the rich man, while he's in hell. He talks to him, and I read it for you again. Luke chapter 16, our reference scripture. There Abraham replies, in it's quite amazing. And he says, verse 29, Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets there. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he says, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Verse 31, he said to him, if they do not listen to the prophets of the Lord, to Moses and the prophets, to Moses who can bring down the cloud of God in Kisumu, to Moses who can strike the earth in such a dreadful way with coronavirus, Ebola virus, Zika virus, shut down the earth with coronavirus, and strike the earth with locusts. And the prophet who can open heaven in Liberty and bring rain, who can command heaven to open in Cacamega, instant rain in less than a minute, And Amarazin, Joro, Kisi, repeated severally, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophet, and the one representing the prophet, Elijah, then they will not be convinced. Even if someone rises from the dead, even if Christ resurrected from the dead, they will not be convinced. Even if Mama Rosa resurrects from the dead, they will not be convinced. Even if Lazarus goes back, they will not be convinced. Look at that reply that Abraham gives to the rich man while he's in hell. In other words, the Lord Jesus wanted to undergo one very important fact, important point in that reply of Abraham to the rich man. He wanted to say that while you're on this earth here, while you're still alive on this earth, understanding and believing the instruction of the prophet, believing the prophet, Understanding the prophet who come, who are sent to minister to you here, has the tremendous power and authority to activate faith in mankind. That is why God sent the prophet. That's why God, Yahweh, has sent me to the earth. Understanding. Perceiving. Believing the prophet of God sends to you has such tremendous key, is a key, has tremendous power and authority to activate the faith of mankind that mankind may believe the gospel and end up in heaven. In other words, The Lord Jesus in this scripture, as he brings out the narrative of the conversation between Abraham and the rich man, and the reply of Abraham to the rich man, the Lord Jesus was essentially saying that when the prophets come and they bring the revelation of God, the revealed word, and the revelation of the power of God, the revelation of the miracles of God, the wonders of God, is saying during the ministration of the prophet, bringing the revelation of the word of God, the revelation of the power of God, the revelation of the miracles of God, the revelation of the wonders of God. Is saying in that ministration, that ministration of the prophet has tremendous power to turn the hearts of the unbelievers to serious believers who will have serious faith and the faith, avoid going to hell and enter heaven. He's saying in this conversation, in the reply, Abraham gives the rich man when he's in hell, by saying they are the prophets there, Moses and the prophets. Moses and Elijah are down there. Let them believe them down there. The Lord is using that reply of Abraham to tell this generation that the ministration of the prophet has so much power and authority, and key, ultimate power, that can turn unbelief the unbelieving world into serious Christians of serious faith, a believer, into believers until they enter heaven. That's why God sends the prophet. In other words, the Lord Jesus wanted to relate to this generation the fact that listening to this prophet saves life and delivers man into God, delivers man to God, that listening and obeying and honoring the prophet, listening to the prophet, listening to the, prophet, listening to the instruction, obeying the prophet, obeying the instructions, honoring the prophet, respecting the prophet, has so much power to save life, the life of man, or the whole earth, and to deliver mankind, deliver all the nations, deliver all mankind to God in heaven, listening, obeying, and honoring the prophets, so the question then is have this generation listened, obeyed and honored this prophet speaking with you today? That is the indictment he wanted to bring in here. In other words, furthermore, the Lord Jesus wanted to bring this to the attention of this generation. That while God's children are on this earth. They will always suffer. There is suffering on this earth. And that suffering on this earth by God's children is inevitable for His people. For as long as they are still in this world. Why? Because He says this world is sinful. That's why it's full of suffering. And you see Lazarus representing God's people. He suffers tremendously on this earth. Terribly. Representing God's people. Meaning, it is normal for God's people to suffer on this earth. Suffer blackmail. Suffer physical torment. Suffer tribulation. I mean, abuse. Blackmail slander. Physical abuse. Wounds. To suffer. suffering for God's children on this earth is inevitable. Why? Because they are in this sinful world. They live in this sinful world. The world is sinful. Another very important message the Lord wanted to bring forth here is that life on this earth must be understood, must be perceived in terms of its temporary nature. That life on this earth is temporary. Whether you are suffering, don't worry. It is temporary. Eternal life is coming. That it is profitable to invest into eternal life. That it is profitable to invest into eternity. To invest into eternity. That life on this earth, It's absolutely temporary. That's a very important point the Lord is raising there. That no matter what you go through, just be of good cheers. Just endure. Because He says, life on this earth is temporary. The book of James chapter 4 verse 14, it says, why you do not even know What will happen tomorrow? Bonsatini says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That is what the Lord is saying in this tremendous scripture of Luke 16, 19 to 31, and using it to help this generation. Know that please, you need to prepare for your eternity. You need to prepare to enter heaven, that you may not suffer, the faith of the rich man. In other words, he's saying, at the point of death, when mankind reaches the end of his life on this earth, only one factor, only one thing, only one benchmark, only one milestone is important as a standard. That at the end of your life, your short life, temporary life on this earth, only one thing will matter. Our relationship with Christ Jesus the Lord. The relationship united with God. And whether you listen to the instruction of God or not, But even as I begin to wind down, blessed people, there is a very important lesson the Lord Jesus brings forth in this scripture, which I want to finish with tonight, because we have a big, big, big celebration here. The cloud of God has come to affirm to the nation that God is the prophet. Those are the prophets. Listen to them, and you'll enter the eternity of fellowship with God in heaven. And you'll enter the kingdom of glory. We are celebrating until the Messiah comes. We must worship and celebrate him for he has visited. He has visited me. When I called him, he visited. So even as we prepare to go into that celebration, there is something so important that finally the Lord also brings up here. There are many more important things important lessons and messages, messages, instruction essentially, that the Lord uses for preparing the way for the coming of the Messiah in this scripture. But because of time, I'll just touch one and then conclude this. The Lord also uses this tremendous life of Lazarus and the life of the rich man to underscore the following to you, this generation, to whom I'm announcing the coming of the Messiah. The Lord is essentially saying that those who openly refuse the grace of Jesus, those who openly refuse to follow the scripture on righteousness, on holiness, those who openly refuse to listen to these two prophets of God, Those who openly abuse and blackmail these two mega prophets of God, openly, they are still in the other churches. They refuse to come out to listen to these prophets. Deliberately, they say, no, I'll continue here. Even when I'm announcing, step out and stop listening, sitting under the teaching of false teachers, false prophets, false apostles. Come out. The cloud has come. He's saying, those who deliberately and openly and publicly, intentionally refuse to listen to God's message of the grace, God's instruction on righteousness, they inevitably are placing a request, a request before God. They are requesting God that He may allow them to live a life that is separated from Him, Jehovah. They're essentially, either inadvertently, they inevitably, either inadvertently or deliberately, telling God, please, please, just allow me to live a life on this earth separated from me. I don't want. I don't want holiness. I don't want to live in to those topics. I don't want righteousness. In other words, they're telling God, that they are choosing to live a life on this earth. They are requesting God to allow them to live separated from Him. Separate from Him. But it's very shocking. What is most shocking in this scripture of Luke 16, verses 19 to 31, what is most astonishing is that God is very willing, very, very willing to grant their request To honor their wish to live away from Him on this earth and even in eternity. That if you live away from the Lord while you're on this earth, you will also be granted the opportunity to live away from God in eternity. That means to be in hell and separated from Him. He will grant you that request. May the Lord bless you. The Messiah is coming. I have seen the coming of the Messiah. Be holy, blessed people. Receive the gospel. And choose the holy Christian life. The Messiah is coming. To to prepare the way. Be righteous. Read the word. Repent. The King is coming. I have seen my Lord coming. I have seen the Messiah coming, the King of glory. The glorious Lamb of God is coming. To shalom. Thank you. The Lord bless you. Bye-bye. Shalom to that. 不得了吧